0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson. And yes, I am still quarantined in D.C. because Trump is such a jerk. Uh, today, Terry Kanefield is joining us again. I love talking to her. She's a lawyer. She's an author. She does these epic threads on Twitter where she breaks things down and she actually dispels uh, some of the panic that's out there. And one of the uh, words or, or phrases that she used in the interview was that, that people go down these what-if rabbit holes. Hello, I'm one of them. So (laughs) I definitely can do that. But as I pointed out at the end of the show on my little outro, that I do recognize what I'm doing. I don't like buy into these theories that I might jump down into and and the rabbit holes. It's just that I go, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? So anyway, talking to Terry is really great because she kind of pulls you back into reality. And what we did was we, we talked about two of her Trump threads, Veered a little bit while we were talking about those threads, but the basic gist is we she covered Mary Trump's book and and basically her take on that, which I think is extremely important, even though you know we saw Mary on Rachel Maddow, we saw her talking to ABC News. so we do it, i I know that there might be some people out there and goes oh we've we've seen, we've seen, we know. Well, unless you've completely you know finished her book. And really understood the importance of what her book represents, because it's not just simply another book or another example to, to point to Trump and say, yeah, he's unfit. Terry, I think, explains it best. And I'm just going to leave it to her to explain it instead of, you know, going over it before we even start the show. But we take her Mary Trump thread and then kind of combine it in the second half of the show with the groups that are being dispersed into, well, first it started in Oregon and today we heard the news that it will be in Chicago. So Terry really like t- takes a look at Trump and she takes what she can from Mary's book and applies it to his logic and how, you know, not just that, not just Mary's book because she's already talked about Trump's logic before, but she, she tries to assume, uh, his strategy what he's going to do if this doesn't work and if that doesn't work it's, I love talking to her because she uh she has such insight and as a lawyer you know her mind she can come up with different talking points that some of us aren't thinking of and she's also extremely rational and has her head on straight and and you know I just want to point out that People on her Twitter thread right now are completely breaking down because they're concerned that there's going to be martial law and that he's going to stop the election. And she's like, he's not. There's going to be danger, there's going to be violence, and it's going to be mayhem. But we're not going to have martial law. He's not going to be able to um, have some kind of military, or he's not going to be successful with a military coup. So we get into that. So definitely a good, good show. Um, I wanted to also let you know that on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking with Jim Pittick. Now, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's, I'm so excited because he was, he's an actor and he's been in the Christopher Guest movies among many other, he's, he's a character actor and he's worked a lot. But um, for those of you who remember Best in Show, which is one of my all time favorite movies, Christopher Guest movies, he played one of the judges that sat next to Fred Willard. Um, I just absolutely adore that movie. I adore him and it's funny and I will let him know and I'll You know, let everybody know. Michael Higgins, who is known as John Michael Higgins, was my acting coach for two years when I was 15 years old, I think 15 and 16. And oh my God, I had such a ridiculous crush on him. It was so stupid. I humiliated myself with my immature, idiotic behavior. I wasn't alone. The funny thing was there was, and I will tell the story in detail when I speak with Jim on Wednesday, But there was another girl in my class. It was the first year when I was like 15, 14 turning 15. And um, I think Michael is probably about five years older than me. So another girl was in the class. who was also a tall blonde. And we both came together because we were like the tall blondes that sought each other out and became best friends for the summer. And all we ever did was talk about him. And I'm not even kidding you. That's all We did. Occasionally, we talked about soap operas because we both like Days of Our Lives. But outside of that, it is pretty much Michael Higgins all the time. And again, I know him as Michael. So it's weird for me to call him John Michael Higgins. But um, I'm sure that if someone were to bring up my name to him, he'd be like, oh, my God, that crazy fucking woman. (laughs) Although he knew me as a teen. And I used to chase him around all the time because um, I had his mother's phone number. And so... You know, throughout the years, up until I was probably in my very early 20s, I, I would, you know, out of the blue, randomly call his mother and say, hey, this is Kimberly. You know, I used to be one of Michael's students. Where is he? Can I have his phone number? And she'd give it to me and then I would call him. <laughs> And I'm just like, I can only imagine. He's like, just go away. The student, I always used to refer to myself as the student that wouldn't go away. But, oh, I had such a crush on him. It was just insane. So anyway, we're going to have fun talking about um, Jim's experiences in the Christopher Guest movies. I'm going to talk to him a little bit about acting. And we're also going to talk about politics. So I think it's going to be a fun show. And I watched an interview with him on... I think it was like a SAG AFTRA, which is Screen Actors Guild. Uh, somebody interviewed him from that. And one of the stories he told was so funny. And he's going to make him tell it again. So I think that's going to be a really fun show. But this show today with Terry Canfield, obviously, anytime I talk to her, it's really good. It's informative. It's thought provoking. And also, she kind of, at least for me, she takes me down a notch when I start freaking out. And there's so much to freak out about these days, you know, whether it's COVID or just worrying about the Trump, w- whatever Trump's going to do next she has a way to kind of calm your mind and some very good suggestions toward the end so make sure you listen to the whole thing. All right so the start me up podcast is independent and woman run and I don't use corporate backers and I don't use advertisers so I do rely on people like you the listeners to support the show basically, if you enjoy today's show, just go to the front page patreon.com/ start me up there's all kinds of tiers you don't have to you don't have to choose a tier you can choose any dollar amount you want. but I have tiers set up like one dollar two dollars four dollars five dollars. So here's the deal. Sign up for two bucks a month and see if you like it. You can upgrade later. But what you'll get if for $2 a month up to $4, so like $4 and under, you're going to get both free shows, which I do on Mondays and Wednesdays, delivered to your email box. You don't have to look for them. And then you're also going to get one of the patrons only shows that I usually do with Steph Walton, who used to be a regular co-host, but she, she does, uh, random shows. I mean, she's always, she's been doing the patrons only shows, but I know she's going to come back for some of the free shows anyway. So you get that. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get both patrons only shows. I do two per month and all of it is delivered to your email box and it just makes it really easy. And you don't have to chase and look for the stuff on Twitter. A lot of times people say, Oh, I missed that one. Well, you don't have to miss it just sign up for like two bucks. It's two bucks, two bucks a month. If you go to the text description of this show, if you just want to make like a one-time donation, you can find my email address, which I include, and you could do that. You could use PayPal and make a one-time donation. Some people prefer doing that. I love all of it. And then last but not least, um, Start Me Up can be found on wherever podcasts are found. And I always appreciate it. Really appreciate it to see that new people have been giving ratings and and they have. And thank you. Thank you so much. While you're there, please become a subscriber. Uh, It's free. And then give me a rating and and a review. A review is extra special because it really helps me. Not only does it help with the iTunes, Apple podcast algorithm, it helps to counter the BS trolls that come on. And want to say that things that I've never said, <laughs> they, they love doing that. They love saying that I, you know, Kimberly wants this to happen. I never said that. But, you know, they have their own little agenda. So, all right, that's it. I'm not going to pitch you. But I will say, or anymore. I already just pitched you. But I will say, as I do every time, I am so grateful for all of my patrons. I love doing the show so much. And I love getting to talk to people like Terry Canfield. Especially because, like, when I, when I read her tweets... Sure, she can calm me down. But when I hear her voice and when she talks to us, I really feel like she's able to kind of pull me back down when I'm spinning out. So, um, you know, and it's hard not to spin out these days because every time you turn around, I mean, we're being gaslit and, you know, Trump is gaslighting us. Republican Party is gaslighting us. We've got COVID to worry about. We've got all these things that we're just, it's like, how can you even remember all the details because the news is coming at us so fast and it's all so upsetting and it's all so disturbing. So definitely it's good to be able to talk to her. And I appreciate that each and every one of my patrons affords me that wonderful opportunity. And in return, I can share that with you. So thank you so much. All right. Please enjoy my conversation with Terry Cainfield. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Oh, thank you for having me. It's good to have you. And I just, you know, I love your threads. They're so thought out and, and um, filled with information and insight. So definitely want to jump into um, talking about I, what I want to do. Is you wrote two different threats, so you did one about Mary Trump's book, which was really in-depth, and I'm reading it right now. Um, and then you did one on Oregon, and as you call it, Trump mayhem. Um, and then today, I'm sure you saw the news that the breaking news that, that looks like they're going to send federal troops on, you know, an, like not anonymous, but unmarked whatever federal troops into Chicago. So uh, that should not go over well, <laughs> but, right. but I do think that it all ties together um, because one of the things about Mary Trump's book, which is so fascinating, and I am going to read an excerpt, but the, the overwhelming um, feeling that I got, or at least that I'm getting so far, is that Fred Trump, the father, is, is a sociopath, and he created Donald, uh, because of the way he treated his f- older son, Fred. The, uh, Mary refers to the older son as Freddy, to differentiate. So mm-hmm. there's Fred Jr. either way. Um, but I think that uh, Don, you know, Donald watched the behavior of his older brother, who wasn't somebody who just always gave in to his father, although he did want to be... Uh, he did want to take his father's place in the family business, but he just didn't. And, and eventually he became a pilot and was ridiculed for his choices. And so because he had, you know, empathy, because he had kindness, because he displayed human emotions, Fred Trump, the father, treated him um, as if he were weak and useless and and Donald recognized all of this, and his, you know, like his emotions were stunted, because he recognized that if he were to be kind or anything like that, he would be disowned or made fun of or treated like crap by his father. So um, now you you say that this uh, this book is like a study of the overlap between fascism and s- now I'm going to say, am I saying this right? Soci so so Soci-
1: sociopathy, yeah, sociopathy.
0: Thank Sociopath. you. Sometimes I have pr- I, I have trouble with that word. So, um, <laughs> so you you say Fred Donald's father was a lying, cheating sociopath. His mother was selfish and needy. So why don't you just start off because there was that quotation in the book, and I'll just read this uh, by Victor Hugo and uh, Les Mis. So it's if the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not the one who commits the sin but the one who causes the darkness, which in this case is Father Trump. So, you know, I just kind of want to get your your take on, on that whole concept.
1: Well, the book is really, a, it's not just about how Donald Trump was created, right. which is, I think some people aren't reading it because they think, well, why do I need to know that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It gives us a lot of insight into who Donald Trump is, mm-hmm. And one of the things that was interesting for me is we've watched this president, right, for all these years now. And Mary's view, it's the same person we've been seeing, but just through a slightly different lens. Mm -hmm. So we understand it better. We understand really how broken he is Mm -hmm. and how empty he is and that he's trying to live up, so he lives up to what his father wants, and then his father continues to reinforce his worst impulses. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to do exactly what his father wants, which is um, presenting himself, as. so he presents himself as a winner, he presents himself as successful, and his father encourages this, and there's nothing behind it. And what she says is he's completely terrified that anybody's going to find out that it's Literally all facade,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and one of, one of the things she said that I thought was really interesting, also in that in the opening section, was that he's Trump has Donald. She calls him Donald, obviously because they're all Trumps. Mm-hmm. Donald has never been expected to do an honest day's work in his life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've often said he doesn't know how to manage anything. He's yeah. never managed anything. The only thing he's ever ever done is is manipulate image uh-huh. and um, and put forward yeah this facade. And there's literally nothing behind it. And so it's sort of interesting to realize, and I, I we knew this all along. So back when the pandemic first happened, I said, he cannot control this pandemic. He can't do it. He doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. And they've dismantled the government that would allow him to do it. But he doesn't know how. My husband has an MBA. He's a business type. And my husband said, well, if... if Trump actually was a businessman. He would know how to do it, but he's not a businessman. Right. <laughs> and so it's so it. What she does is she shows us how, it, not just how he got that way through through his father. His father broke him,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, you know, and how he lived up to this image, and how he learned to lie, and he was constantly rewarded for lying. And she says that he was. he'd never. One of the things she sees now is the reason he's. Literally falling apart is because he's never in his life been scrutinized. Mm -hmm. She said, "For all the attention he's had, he's never been scrutinized, and he doesn't. He cannot deal with this. So I found it like almost like um, we've been looking at this picture through a through a little bit of a haze, Mm -hmm. and she took away the haze Mm -hmm. so that the picture we've seen snaps better into focus."
0: Wow, that's a great way of saying it. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's you know, have you seen the Netflix special, um, I think it's Trump, an American dream? Have you seen that?
1: No, I haven't. No, I haven't. That,
0: that also offers, not quite as much as the Trump book, but um, it offers a lot of insight into, you know, it starts in New York in the 70s, and it kind of chronicles his rise you know they have interviews with rona barrett what's interesting is not only did i recognize and could say hey that's rona barrett (laughs) which i was really impressed with (laughs) myself for because that was back way back in the 70s but um you know when she first interviewed him he had a slight i mean obviously we know that her you know fred trump the father as you said broke him and um there was a difference between his, I guess you can say, television delivery, the way he appeared on this interview. Um, and, and then the, there, there was a difference between that and then eventually how he sounded after he met Roy Cohn, which was that awful lawyer. In, in the documentary, right. somebody said, you know, I had I had dinner with Roy Cohn and I swear I felt like I was sitting with Satan. And so, you know, not only was Donald shaped by his father, but he was also very much mentored. And, um, you know, he was, I guess he learned how to behave too from Roy Cohn, who was just, God, I mean, he's like the worst mobster attorney. or I you mean, he's like terrible. And even, you know, Trump was even kind of, he was taking on both. It's, I, I think it was a combination of the way Roy Cohn communicated and the way his father communicated because his father was also in that um, documentary, And there was a couple of times you got to hear him speak. And so, you know, he was the kind of guy that used the same tremendous language and, you know, um, just mm-hmm. making these bold generalities. But um, what I wanted to say, too, and what you wrote is something that I've been saying about the GOP. Um, at least since I started blogging, which was in 2012, is that you said Donald became an aggressive schoolyard bully. He ended up in military school or reform school. Um, yeah, I have been calling the GOP, not that I invented that, but still, uh, schoolyard bullies. Um, that's how they behave. They, that is exactly how they behave. A lot of the times when they're called out on their crap, they back down. Um, but yeah, so Donald went to reform school, and, and then here we have... Um, I think you were, you were talking about, let me look here, um, he was really good, Donald, was, he was all about the story, and, and here, as usual with Donald, the story mattered more than the truth, which, is, which was easily sacrificed, especially if a lie made the story sound better, and oh my God, we are just witnessing that every single day, every time he opens his mouth.
1: Right. It is, it's what he has done all of his life. Yeah. That's the only thing he knows how to do. And that is what has gotten him through. And so people were saying, you know, you can't, um, you can't gaslight a pandemic or a virus. And we knew, we knew when this happened that he wasn't able to control the virus. Now, I did not, you know, um, I mean, this is, of course, living up to all of our worst, mm-hmm. worst nightmares right now. But he's never, ever solved a problem in any other manner other than trying to to lie about it um and there's also um a way that his one of the things i've been i was sort of talking about this morning with um my followers are like in a collective state of meltdown right now (laughs) and um one of the things that i've um that (laughs) Donald Trump has succeeded in doing is is creating this false image of himself Mm -hmm. and the false image it started out I'm a successful businessman and now it's I'm a strong man and people people have him built up much 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 larger than he is including the criminality Mm -hmm. um this isn't something in any of my threads so I don't that you've talked about so I don't want to lead you astray so stop me if it is but I have some experience as a criminal defense lawyer Mm -hmm. That's actually what I did um, in my practice. I was an appellate criminal defense lawyer. And um, as an appellate lawyer, that just means that I wasn't in the courtroom. I handled the appeals, but they okay. were my clients. And, um, and I did some criminal trial work for a while on the defense side. And I have some insight into Trump as a criminal. Okay,
2: cool.
1: They got, they got very, very, very lucky, and they got very, very, very wealthy because the cheating that Fred did – um, in the fifties was very successful. Mm-hmm. So they, he cheated. So Fred was actually pretty good at cheating. Um, and there's a lot of wealth behind them, but it's, it's really don't overestimate. These aren't Godfathers. Mm-hmm. These aren't, um, a lot of times, um, criminals are, I mean, they don't, they don't amass as much wealth, but people can overestimate the criminal cunning that he has.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Uh, Right. That is that it's, And when they overestimate his abilities as as a criminal, then I mean, I never represented anybody who was anything like Don Corleone. Mm-hmm. You know, who was actually like a smart criminal. Usually, they were pretty dumb, <laughs> and they and they got lucky, mm-hmm. and they got lucky, and so um, and they were they were small, but some of them got very very lucky, especially some of them that went into. Um, you know, what you call it being a drug mule where mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. like carried drugs and they made a whole ton of money. Yeah. So people could get very wealthy, but they weren't necessarily cunning or smart. So right. people are really overestimating Trump. Mm-hmm. Now he's very dangerous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody's overestimating how dangerous he is. He mm-hmm. has very dangerous impulses. Yeah. But he's but he's not we're not dealing with Machiavelli or Don Corleone. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're dealing with someone who really is good at blustering. Right.
0: Yes, and that that's what comes out in the book, too, that Fred Trump recognized that um, Donald was good with publicity, and he was mm-hmm. good in front of the cameras, and he could tell these big, bold lies and make things look better than they were. He was the showman, basically, um, and mm-hmm. the father was managing the business behind the scenes. But then he mm-hmm. basically... Um, he funded Donald, you know, whatever he gave Donald a bunch of money. So Donald could have, you know, the clothes and the cars and the appearance of being successful on his own, which could help him convince people to believe whatever bullshit he was selling them. And so, um, I, you know, let me see, uh, sh- you know, you right here, Mary observed her uncle for decades and presents him as petty, shallow, vindictive, vulgar, impon- in- incompetent, in other words, uh, there is nothing more to Donald than meets the eye, <laughs> and and then you know, <laughs> which
1: is I sad had some because- devastating sentences in there didn't I? I guess I said. <laughs> Somebody yes. liked where I wrote Fred um refused, disappointed his parents by wanting to become a pilot instead of. Deciding to take after his father and becoming a
0: lying cheating scumbag right. yes 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 that was well, definitely I, had to good summar- I was summarizing a book in
1: a sentence you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway go ahead so
0: but i just right. and th- this is just kind of off the thing but this was another part of your thread so um mary okay let me find it uh so she was 29 this is so gross she was 29 in a bathing suit when and then quote, Donald, who was wearing golf clothes, looked up at me as I approached as if he had never really seen me before. Holy shit, Mary, you're stacked, Donald Marla maples said in uh, in a mock car, slapping his arm light, uh, slapping him on, on the arm lightly she and Mary Trump says i was twenty nine and not easily embarrassed, but my face reddened. I suddenly felt self conscious and pulled my towel around my shoulders so obviously, I mean, I think that kind of goes to what you are when you said that there is nothing more to Donald Trump than meets the eye. So he has shown us who he is. And I think that, I mean, you're absolutely right that... um, I mean, as far as, as, as all of this goes, like, he's very dangerous. He's not a smart guy as far as a smart criminal, and he has been lucky. He's been sheltered and lucky. But one of the things that you keep – was it you or her? I'm not – I think maybe it's Mary Trump. What does she mean by Trump is has been institutionalized and that he's oh, institutionalized now? Oh, yeah, that's
1: a wonderful now. sentence. Yeah.
0: That's her. Okay. So
1: she – and I quoted it. But she what she says is that he's never – this just goes along with the fact that he's never done an honest day's work. Mm-hmm. So, so she says he, she doesn't know if he could even make it or th- survive in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, if Donald Trump was suddenly dumped into a city without anything, could he apply for a job like I could? So, if you took, a, I, I left home and I went to college. I, I financed my education and I applied for jobs. I, you know, I worked my way through college like a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. So, if 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 suddenly I lost everything. I wouldn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I would know how to go. I would, I know how to interview for jobs. And then if I get a job, I know how to do the job. Yeah. Her point is that Donald Trump cannot do that. He's mm-hmm. never had to do that. So, so by institutionalized, she means he's, he's really been in a, in a little bubble. That's not the real world. So imagine that, imagine the president of the United States would not be able to apply for and do the job of receptionist. Yeah. Wow. And that's basically basically what she's saying. He couldn't do it, Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't know how. So he's never had any – he's never been in the real world. And so by institution, she means this sort of padded, protected, Mm -hmm. um, created – uh, world where first his father gave it to him, and then you know he got it for himself by laundering Russian money. And again, this doesn't make him like brilliant. They mm-hmm. came and presented themselves mm-hmm. to buy his luxury condos, mm-hmm. and he didn't check the source of the money, which is what all money laundering is. It's very simple. So, so he's never had to do the basic survival. So that's what she means by institutionalized. And she says he's now institutionalized in the White House. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's surrounded by people who are propping him up. Yeah, yes. And, and so that's, that's really yeah. stunning it to is. think that the president of the United States could not apply for <sighs> and manage to be a file clerk. Yeah, exactly. You could do it. I could do it. <laughs> Anyone can do yes. it. But the, but the fact that he's never had to do that, it, it's really amazing yeah. that it's all been smoke and mirrors and that when he, when he parachuted in, in into, into the presidential campaign in 2015, the family thought this is never going to, nobody's right. going to believe this baloney. Right. Yeah. And the people thing believe is, it is, is wait, go ahead. It I mean, it's also saying. a really good study in us, uh-huh. in how easy it is for people to con and how, how easily we are conned. Yes. And even if we don't, and we do fall for Trump's mm-hmm. cons mm-hmm. when we fall for this strongman con. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but what I wanted to add was, you know, I think you could probably pick out a number of people who were born into wealth and maybe they're not as malevolent or as um I don't know, just ridiculous as Donald Trump. I mean ridiculous is such a weak word to use, but I just couldn't come up with that. I mean he's definitely malevolent. but I mean you, you could choose somebody who um, was born into wealth and never had to work. Uh, and I think you could probably say that they would have an, a very difficult time finding work too. But I think one of the main differences with Trump is the fact that the family in it uh, you know is so corrupt in and of itself there was that story about the you know the grandfather um was worth more than he said that he was and he was trying to cheat mm-hmm. uh Mary and right. the the brother out of the will and it was so bad that uh when i guess it was Mary's brother had a a baby who had serious health needs they cut initially and we saw this on Rachel but this was in her book initially Um, And I remember the story coming out a while back, but they promised that they Mm -hmm. were going to help, the family promised they were going to help, and then all of a sudden, um, when, I guess, uh, let's see, I'm I'm trying to read here, but basically it's like when when they found out um, that the the Trump, I guess Mary and her brother, were looking for money or whatever, they said they weren't going to even offer insurance, they were going to cut off the the baby's Mm -hmm. health insurance, which, by the way, William Trump is his name, and he's still alive. Um, mm-hmm. but the idea is they, that Mary Trump and her brother were, were told that the estate was worth 30 million, but discovered in, eventually that it was worth closer to 300 million. And so no, that was
1: closer to a billion and 300 million was left. on the Oh, table I see. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes. Thank you for uh, it, 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 that sorry.
1: Out. Yeah, I just happened to look that over. I think I've got that detail right. Yes, you do. You do. And
0: I, I skipped it when I was reading it. But I but I think what the point is, is that, okay, so he is a guy who's the President of the United States who would be unable to go out and get a job. But it's. I think it, it's more about. I mean, he's institutionalized absolutely, and then he's also got this family of shady characters who like breaks the law. And Mary, I think the sister, is that it? It was. Was it the sister? Mm-hmm. Yes, Mary the Anne, sister yeah. who Anne became the federal sister, yeah. judge was the had right. the idea to cut off the insurance for that baby. So it's not just Trump, obviously. And you know, I want to kind of just run back to the mom, uh, Mary Trump she was, and I guess, you know, uh, Mary Trump, the niece had, had a closer relationship with her grandmother, Mary. Um, Mm -hmm. but then found out that when it came to a money situation, she just, you know, backed away and Mary niece felt betrayed. Um, so I think like this whole point that, you know, the mother was not even like, she didn't have anything to do with her sons. She left that up to her husband. And then she figured it was her job to take care of the daughters. And so Mm -hmm. um, Donald was not offered a loving mother figure. She just didn't know how to do it, whether it was because she was... Actually, you know what? Can
1: I I go back for just one second to something else? Because I just want to clarify what I meant by not get a job born into wealth. Okay, so let's take, and I'm not a fan of Thomas Jefferson, so I picked him on purpose because I'm not a fan. Okay. But take Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was born into wealth. Thomas Jefferson never had to work. But Thomas Jefferson looked around and said, I don't want to just be like a you know manage my plantation so he became a lawyer Mm -hmm. and he read books and he learned Mm -hmm. and so even if he so he so he did find a vocation which he trained for do you see what i'm saying yes so so what i mean by when trump what she meant by institutionalized so you wouldn't say that A wealthy person like Thomas Jefferson, who then, he he really became a scholar Mm -hmm. and he became, you know, and he did, he was one, actually many of our founding, the the founding fathers were born into wealth, not all, um, but they were born into wealth, but they didn't just create a myth about their wealth. They, so by so what I meant by that was you know Thomas Jefferson would be able to manage the job of filing clerk if he had to he could file things right, right. but he yes. also did so <laughs> right so so what I meant by that is that that Trump isn't capable right of of, of managing a filing cabinet <laughs> yeah. but he also did but he also didn't um, he didn't find a vocation from his mm-hmm. well he, he just all he did was lie and create mm-hmm. myth. And so I'm mm-hmm. sorry, back to, back to the mother. And, and yeah, you were saying, so the mother is also, you were saying, very much at fault for how yes. how she created this monster by basically being completely absent.
0: She yes. was, I'd almost say, a vacuous kind of mother, but yeah. go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I mean you, she was sick. There were, there were times when she was sick, and uh, gosh, I... What was it? It was Tony Schwartz was on, I, I think he was on Lawrence O'Donnell after Mary Trump was on, and he used the term uh, toxic, um, oh, the, the term is escaping me, but it's it's the idea of, I guess, the father Trump was all into the power of toxic positivity. So, um, Mm -hmm. Fred Trump was all into the power, the power of positive thinking, but it was a perverted version of it because when his wife was Mm -hmm. sick, he would, um, there was a part that Mary wrote in the book, like she was in pain and she was sick and he would come in and he would see her and he'd be like, Hey, everything's going to be great. Just smile and then leave the room. And that, that is what is kind of referred to as toxic positivity because it's like, Mm -hmm. it's insisting on positivity, um, no matter what. And ignoring the fact that his wife was in pain. And we see Donald do this every single day, whether he's saying that and with it, with the virus. Yes. That's what he's he's doing with the say. Virus. Totally. He was, he, he right. said it was a hoax. He said it was going to be a miracle. And it's the same kind of um, logic that his father used because the power of positive thinking, oddly enough, it's like, I'm actually um, kind of exploring that or, or, or utilizing that in my own life, not in a toxic way, but, um, you know, there, there's something called the law of attraction. And it's like, what you put out there, you get back. So it's like, I, I think I was being too negative. I, I you know, was at the end of last year and there was all these things happening in my life. And I was, I was really feeling like a victim of those things happening. And, and somebody suggested that I check it out. And so I did. And it's like, all right. So it was interesting because as soon as I recognized what I was doing, I, I switched it over and I started becoming grateful for uh, what I had and, and all that I had. And, and it really did help kind of flip me, it doesn't mean that I don't have negative thoughts, it doesn't mean that I you know don't get upset or afraid or whatever it is, but But what I tend to do now, instead of focusing on the negative, I try to recognize the positives in my life. But that's not what Fred Trump did. Fred Trump used it in a way where he could ignore the things that he didn't like Mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to smile. And again, Donald witnessed that and started using it as, it's a philosophy of his uh, because it was Mm -hmm. taught to him by his father. And then I wanted to ask you, and I hope I say, okay, so Mary also also suggests, is it Sociopathy, is that right? Is mm-hmm. that, okay, um, mm-hmm. and then w- which that is a criminality, arrogance, disregard for the rights of others, and then you say dependent personality disorder, um, and perhaps a long undiagnosed learning disorder. What is dependent personality disorder? Well, that's I'm, that's actually a quote from her book. Okay.
1: So that so what you're reading there? That's a little clip from from her book. So I didn't write that. Okay, and she's so I. From, and so all I know is how she explained it in the book. Okay. So this is where, like, um, where he, he needs approval, basically, and he needs company. So yeah. she has this one really interesting anecdote in there, which, again, this is like taking the, the smoke screen and seeing the, the picture clearly. Yeah. So apparently, shortly after, within the first year of Trump's presidency, he called his sister, and he said, so how am I doing? <laughs> oh, wow. Which is a really bizarre moment. Yeah, 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 So, I mean, and that's like, you know, you could spend a while on that. Yes. So, so he's measuring the success of his presidency by whether his, his sister perceives that he's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. But also, how am I doing? It's like there's something about all you exist for is the opinion of others. It's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, we've joked about is the TV rating president. Mm-hmm. Yes, but there you have it. Like he lives in the polls. He cares about the polls. He knows how to read polls. He understands their limits, and he understands that that what what they actually mean. And he's into ratings. And so this dependent. So one one way to see it through through Denise's eyes, she sees that quality as you know he needs. He needs the approval of people. He mm-hmm. he needs people to applaud for him. Yes. He needs people to say yay. And to call, for the president of the United States to call his sister and say, How am I doing? <laughs> is so it's I mean, you know, my, my son is in high school and he doesn't even after a wrestling match say to me, So how'd I do? Like he knows right. how he did. Yes.
0: Interesting. You know, yeah. you know, but
1: he's but it's it's not there's something really I mean, there's something so wrong with it, and I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I think that that's what she meant, that there's some kind of disorder in mm-hmm. the personality yeah. where, he's, where he's completely dependent on, um, on the approval of others and that that's how he measures
0: himself. Well, and obviously, I mean, there's, you know, I, uh, what comes to mind when he has those round tables where each one goes around and praises him and he just laps it up. And he needs to have that, you know. It's like um, uh, Steve Schmidt referred to Mike Pence, uh, he, uh, in reference to Donald Trump, as "Oh God, what is?" Oh, now, of course, the it's now of course it's escaping me. Basically, what he said about him was that you know he just sucks up to him so hardcore all the time. Mm-hmm. He's just constantly telling him, and I mean we've seen it in the way that Mike Pence stares at him, almost like he's. You know, like he's right. got a crush on Trump. And his requirement from the governors. you know, you praise me and I'll send you what you need. Exactly. That. Yes, that. And it's, it's, it's all so disgusting and he needs to hear it. He's got this like weird, um, absolute need to be told that he's so great. And if he doesn't get it, he throws a tantrum. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, I think the other thing and, and you were talking about in this thread that um, Mary Trump offers a close up view of the kind of personality that becomes a cult leader. Social and alternate media provide examples of people who claim to have all the answers, tell people what they want to hear what they want to hear, plays on their fears, and instantly gathers a worshiping following. Now, you pointed out there are people like Mitch McConnell that see Trump and use him, so mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you this because this is kind of like off off of the thread, but this is just your um, opinion i 've talked about this many times on the show as to why the Republican party is behaving the way they're behaving. Because I, I'm curious to know, or like I'm wondering if perhaps, we all know that the Russians hacked the RNC when they hacked the DNC, but we didn't ever hear anything about what they got out of the RNC, and I have a theory that perhaps they are, whether it's Donald himself or it's you know Putin, and, and 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 russians whatever that they have information on some of these republicans who like lindsey i'm going to
1: push back i push back hard against that that's okay. a whole
0: different podcast let's let's schedule that i push back hard against that <laughs> okay um, so you don't I, think that that there was anything I, from the RNC okay hack. there
1: there can be damaging information mm-hmm. but the damaging information is their willingness to work with the russians that theory gives so much credit to the republicans so that theory says that they'd be doing something else uh-huh. if they weren't blackmailed. The blackmail theory. Oh, I see what you
0: mean. Okay, gives
1: them. Yeah, it gives them so. That's, that's honorable person projection, right? Okay. If there's such a thing, I okay. just made that up. So, <laughs> it, so you're an honorable person. And you look at what the Republican Party is doing, and the only way you can conceive of somebody right. doing this is if they're blackmailed. Right. So hence the blackmail theory. Now, there could – I don't doubt that there is damaging information. But what's it going to be? Child pornography? That doesn't bother their base. I know. I mean – That's so sad. Ch- that child rape like this? There's nothing it could be other – there is damaging information in their willingness to work with the Russians. Mm-hmm. But why are they willing to work with the Russians? Right. So I, I put – that theory has, I've in fact, one of yeah, I push back hard. But the, the the basic thing to realize is that you're giving them way too much credit. And um, what they want, I mean, a, a, the, sometimes there's a, just a simpler explanation, mm-hmm. which is number one, a lot of them like what he stands for. Uh huh. Um, the what, one of the things that Trump has done, and we're way, kind of way off topic here, but one of the things that Trump has done is pulled the mask off so that we can see. So what looks like hypocrisy mm-hmm. really isn't hypocrisy. It's that they, they were lying all along. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, the federalism, I, when I was in law school, there were this, you know, the federalists who were like these right-wing kooks, a couple mm-hmm. of them. And they had this federalist theory and these originalism theories. And the theory had to do with states' rights and that the Constitution you know means this and this. But when push comes to shove, they don't care about states. Rights mm-hmm. because they 're behind the federal government going into these states, that was all baloney mm-hmm. they what what it was to strip it all away, and what it is is Putin has a white male dominated mm-hmm. oligarchy mm-hmm. the The confederacy was a white mm-hmm. male dominated oligarchy mm-hmm. What the GOP wants is a white male yes. dominated oligarchy. Hmm. And so, so they line up behind Trump wow. and they see themselves. This is not a secret. So, so Timothy Snyder, who's my favorite scholar, I think I probably have about 10 favorites, but he's my favorite. Is that a nerdy thing to have a favorite
0: scholar? <laughs> no, it's awesome.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, so he's one of my favorite scholars. And what he says is that for, the, for a while now, and how far back it goes, the 10, 20 years, Putin and the, the right-wing part of, of Russia has been beckoning to America's far-right wing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and setting Russia up as the savior of white Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's the shtick. And that's wow. why they've got the evangelicals. Right. And that's why somebody like Katie Hopkins thinks Putin rocks. So the reason that the—a couple of reasons, but the main reason why they all line up behind Trump is because they like what he stands for. Yeah. And um, and the so the idea that they that if they weren't being blackmailed they'd be in favor of democracy. Right is
0: just good anyway, sorry about that. Well I, tirade, I, but, I, I, uh, I totally agree with you and that, that makes a lot of sense. Although I will say I don't necessarily think they would be so in favor of democracy. I think that, you know, I mean I look at the I don't know too much about what what, what is happening with the Koch family. I know one of the brothers died, but but I remember you know, I'm coming at this from an, I'm a non-expert, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a political commentator. I talk about politics, but I'm not an expert. So I do appreciate what you bring because, you know, you're a lawyer, you, this is your whole life. You've written books about this. So, uh, I, I totally give credit to what you say, but I also wonder, you know, and this is, like I said, this is kind of an aside, but as a political blogger starting in 2012, I'd say throughout up until, Especially when the Tea Party got in, the Koch brothers were like everything. Everybody was always talking about the Koch brothers, and so um, my, I think my point here is they were. They also wanted the white man, the white male-dominated oligarchy, and they, you know, yeah. they, they were the. There is such a great book um, written by I think it's Claire Connor or Claire Connor Monk. I'm not sure M O N K. She wrote this book called Wrapped in the Flag, and this was about um, her experience growing up. Her father being one of the founding members of the John Birch Society, which is basically the Tea Party, and and which is basically Fred Koch was one of the founders. So I'm kind of and, and and why I'm bringing this up for two reasons. Number one, because I, I totally get like I can see that you know the especially in 20 like 11, 12, um, the Koch brothers were getting more and more powerful, and they were putting so much attention and effort into our poly, into our political system and into our laws they had now finally the John Birch Society got legislative power they had they had money and they had influence but then you know 2011 that's when they began legislating and like for instance one of the things that happened after that was all of these uh, abortion clinics were shut down um, because of these Tea Party people, and so I look at you know I look at the Republicans, and they were you know they were getting behind the Koch brothers. But then, but what, what I found interesting was when Trump came along, it kind of like smashed. I mean, I, like I said, I can't remember which one Charles or David. I don't remember which one died, but one of the Koch brothers died. And even though they're still massive and they still have influence in American politics, it seems as if any kind of stories about the Koch brothers are now in the back burner. And the little that I have read is that they are not happy with what's happening with Putin, because it's almost like the Russian oligarch stepped into the American oligarch territory. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, right. Um, you know, and, and frankly, I right. don't know what they're doing. I imagine they're doing something. I imagine they're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to work with whoever they can work with. But... It does seem like the Putin oligarchs have more control than the Koch oligarchs. Would you agree with that?
1: I can't it seems like that right now, but I couldn't say for sure. Yeah. I um and I think part of that is because we have Trump in the White House and Mm -hmm. the Koch brothers are not happy with Right. um, You know, and it's true. So so somebody like Steve Bannon, you know, once he believes in national he's a he's a white nationalist. Yeah. That doesn't mean he doesn't want Putin over here in charge, right? <laughs> right. I mean, they might. He might want a Putin-style yes. American. Yes. You know, he he wants it here. So so yeah, I'm I'm really not I'm really not sure, but I I do think that you're right that there's a little bit of a um, but you know, for our point of view, that that those are. Um, you know whether it's an American-based oligarchy or a, a Russian-influenced yeah, oligarchy, they both are and I think awful. There's, some, yeah. there's some fear that you know if they take too much help from the Russians, then they're you know then they're you know Russia and then you know Putin has too much power. Yeah, I don't it. think yeah. they like
0: that. That's so, exactly what I think it is, and I think as far as people like Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham or any of these people like Marco, Marco, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, um, I think that. And that's why I was wondering, like do they have information? Are they using blackmail? Not that I think that they would stand up for democracy, but I think that they would stand up in order to keep the control within american uh you know yeah, oligarchs. but they can't
1: they can't do that they can't do that even if there's no um there's no way for them to do that right now yeah if there well, was yeah. no blackmail, they still couldn't do it
2: Interesting. so
0: okay.
1: and the reason they can't do it is because that will split the Republican party, yeah, okay so. Yes, so it, so forget blackmail. There's okay. no blackmail. They t- um, Rubio and Cruz, they cannot speak against Trump. Yeah they, can't, they cannot do it because if they do, it's going to split the party. right So they've got, they've got a minority party. so someone was just saying, um, actually someone asked me in real life, not Twitter, <laughs> uh, well what if they what if they um, I don't know funny difference, right <laughs> what if um, what if like they pushed? Um, they pushed uh, Trump off the ticket and they got someone in there, mm-hmm. you know, like Amash or, mm-hmm. or Mitt Romney. Well, that would only work if if Trump threw his support behind the person.
0: Right, yes.
1: Because if they if they shove Trump out, mm-hmm. then Trump, Trump has a lock hold mm-hmm. on a certain segment of that Republican mm-hmm. base. He's got him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's got him. So if, if Trump said the only way this would work, is if Trump said, you know, I think I'm tired. I'm going to step aside. And actually Mitt Romney's got the best chance, so I'm going I'm to endorse him. Mm-hmm. If, if Trump did that, <laughs> yeah, or did. if, yeah, the, then he'd have a chance. But if they split the party, they've got a minority party hanging on by their teeth. Yeah. So they can't split the party. So ta- so Ted Cruz might secretly hate Trump, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he might secretly hate the fact that the Russians are involved, Mm -hmm. but but he cannot speak against Trump, because Trump will throw everything, because that will cause a a division. Division. They can't do it.
0: So, and and just to be clear, let's say that it's, you know, I see this on Twitter all the time. It's also not about worrying that Trump will go after you in a tweet. It's like you're saying they're just, they're basically putting party before everything. Well, what they're saying
1: is what somebody like um, Ted Cruz says is, I cannot get elected without Trump's base. Okay. okay. I so cannot it, that, win re-election without right. Trump's base. Nobody can right now. No Republican right now can win. That's why why McConnell's thing was really fairly interesting, because they have to walk a tightrope. Mm-hmm. So this, this article I quoted this morning, there was one showing how the Right now, the virus is devastating the red states, mm-hmm. and the red state governors are, are, don't know what to do because Trump is really undermining <laughs> yeah. their efforts to control the virus. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out what to do. Now, the problem – the reason they have a problem in the first place, right, it's par- – It's instead of party over country, it's personal power right. over what's right. Interesting. So, it, Right. So it's, it's – um, you couldn't get elected Republican dog catcher right now if Trump turns his base against you. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, right. So, so anyway, so that's, yeah, that's why they're not speaking against Trump. And that's why they're they're sitting on their hands with all the Trump-Putin love, mm-hmm. the ones who really don't want Russia involved but do want a white male oligarchy. Yeah. That's a kind of a different, that's a, you raised actually a much more subtle point. You forced me to, like, <laughs> You know, drill down and be much more subtle about it. But yeah, I think that that that, that uh, to understand Trump's power right now mm-hmm. is to understand that he has he has succeeded through this con and through his hocus pocus. Everything Mary described, mm-hmm. he has succeeded in getting a lock, a cult kind of following that cons- that makes up a fairly large section of the Republican Party. Now, it's yeah. a minority party, so it's not a lot of people in the United States.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, the, but if he controls that base, he controls anybody who wants to run as a Republican. And now the Republicans control a lot of state legislatures, and they control the Senate. So the re- people are always confused. Why is Trump doubling down?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's doubling down because he, as long as he maintains his base—
0: Yes. Yeah. Then
1: then Ted Cruz has to fall uh-huh. in line yeah. as long as Ted Cruz wants to stay in power.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what. OK, so now that's going to bring us to Oregon. What's happening in Oregon and uh, will probably happen now in Chicago, as they've announced, that federal troops have been deployed and they are um, just basically kidnapping people. They're going up to people and uh, hitting them with batons and treating them just like, it's like looking at Russia. I mean, it's really scary. And so you wrote, and this was, this came out on the 19th, I believe it might've come out a day before, but you said, we learned last night, Trump doesn't want to be distracted by the pandemic. Um, and he he doesn't want to look about it. He's not, he's not worried about the cases. So because he's not uh, worried about the pandemic or focusing on it, he's, you say, he's trying to rewrite the script of the White House reality show. Um, and that the problem isn't COVID, the problem is the protesters, and only Strongman, which we've already said he's not one, but he likes to pretend that he is a strongman, can save us. So, um, mm-hmm. and then you say this brings us to Oregon. So, um, and then you also tie this into his campaign to open the schools. So, can you kind of talk mm-hmm. about that?
1: Yeah, okay, so the open the schools, we're not hearing about this anymore.
0: This was really
1: scary and. I'm a parent. I've got to have a high school kid. So my others are grown, the other ones are grown up, but for parents forcing the schools to open was actually just as scary as sending in troops Uh, because, um, anybody who has ever sent a child to first grade knows that everything goes around that first grade class. Yeah. And, um, and the children are going to bring it home and there's going to be, it's going to be very, very scary. Mm -hmm. And it was terrifying for people. And so, um, Trump evidently cooked this up because he thought that that would help his poll numbers with the white with the white suburbs, mm-hmm. which is like really silly. And I talked in this article. I mean, I sort of showed out showed in this article how totally like diluted this was. They have no idea what these conservative suburban women are like, mm-hmm. and I know a few of them. And sure, <laughs> they probably voted for him mm-hmm. in 2016, um, but you endanger their cubs, and they're going to fight like. Bears. Yes. And so that was actually really scary. And mm-hmm. the idea that they were going to try to withhold funds from schools to force the yes. opening yes. was really scary. Right. And um, and that was apparently a ploy to get his poll numbers up. So <sighs> and then and now I think that's going to be dropped because yeah. it didn't work. Interesting. And, well, That's good um, to know. It was a failure. So what's happening right now in Oregon? Um, and there's there's, um, let's just like, set aside the fact that a military coup is not possible in the United States. My, my husband is from Chile. I talk about this sometimes on the threads because people tell me I'm really naive. My <laughs> husband's from Chile. He lived through the Pinochet dictatorship. Okay. Okay, so I have family stories, and I know about dictatorships. Mm-hmm. Um, and a military coup right now installing Trump in power is not possible okay. um, for logistics. We have— 220, 328 million-plus people over a huge landmass, mm-hmm. and the army is not going to come in and help Trump. The other thing that's not going to happen, because it can't by logistics, is for Trump to send in the secret army and take control of the polling places on Election Day. Mm-hmm. Logistically, it's not possible. Right. But it's, it's there as a threat. So logistically, it's not possible. Okay. Um, so this brings me back to the strongman—actually, I have two things to tie this into. The strongman myth, the mm-hmm. con— And also what's happening. So Trump cannot control the virus. What he can try to do is control the narrative. Mm -hmm. So the truth is that the virus is out of control. People are dying in massive numbers because of the failure of the administration. That's Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. Now Trump is setting up a, a competing narrative. And the competing narrative is this. No, 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 no. The real problem isn't the virus. Hmm. The real problem is the protesters, but he doesn't call them protesters, the violence and the antifa, whatever he calls Mm -hmm. them, the violence in the cities. That's the real problem. And I'm the strong man who's going to demonstrate the ability to solve this problem. And this is very effective. I actually had – I was standing in line in my hometown – I live in a small town, Central California coast – and behind me, six feet back, where she was supposed to be, was a woman who was a Trump supporter. And she told me that um, I got to talk to her because mm-hmm. that's the T-shirt she was wearing. <laughs> and she told me that she had to vote for Trump despite his flaws because the real problem is George Soros and the violence right. in the cities, and that's the real problem. And if we don't vote for Trump, this is going to get out of control, and the whole American way of life is going to be endangered. Mm-hmm. The, the narrative works with a certain segment of people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's that segment that he needs to keep control over, mm-hmm. remember, to control the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so what we have right now is com- competing narratives. So what Trump is trying to do is win this battle by having his narrative become the true one,
2: right.
1: which means enough people believe it. So the narrative is that the real problem is in the cities. Now the the reporting coming out of Oregon is that these um, federal a, these federal agents are are creating the problem,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that they're accelerating the problem. But yes. that's and and um, Josh, I forget his name. There's a journalist I follow, and it's embarrassing that I forgot his name. But he's pretty pretty influential, and he says that this is all trying to feed into his campaign strategy because mm-hmm. you know this. They 're trying to create the violence that 's going to play into his campaign strategy, so what i 'm suggesting is we 're not actually in danger of a military or a secret service coup. Mm-hmm. what we 're in danger of is enough people believing that the problem is the violence in the cities and not the and not the virus yeah does, does that make sense and the way and tie, went back tie it back to the strongman thing. here 's how it works on. Us, maybe not me and you, but you know, I have a lot of followers on Twitter and is working right. on them right now. Because when I said I have my followers in a collective meltdown, you know, I've been trying to yeah. put out some fires. Well, they're all completely panicked mm-hmm. about this. Oh my god, Trump is going to send to good service. This is the mm-hmm. Gestapo, it's going to work. It's going to be like the Stasi in West in East Germany, um, except that East Germany has a population of 16 million in mm-hmm. a very small mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. and the, and the Germans know how to organize mm-hmm. right so the stasi <laughs> actually was competent mm-hmm. and it was a very small landmass with a much smaller population and they had more than 2 months to prepare right so my so people are in a complete meltdown that yeah. we are actually in danger now the only reason people think we're in danger of an actual military coup is believing that Trump is a invincible strong man mm-hmm. Yes. So when he says, I'm going into the cities, we're going into the cities, then his base cheers. Mm -hmm. Woohoo, he is a strong man. Right. Everybody else melts down. Yes. When everybody else melts down, the base sees the liberals melting down, and then they say, Whoa, he really is a strong man. Mm -hmm. And none of us are talking about the real problem, which is the virus, because he is, and this will succeed in distracting us Mm -hmm. because he's created a problem much more because it's very scary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So so I'm not going to say he's a strategic genius, but I and I don't know who came up with it. Um, it could have been his new campaign manager, mm-hmm. right? Somebody came up with this idea and it was a really good idea because it it creates the myth of the strong man, the mm-hmm. liberals melt down, which convinces people like Tom, like Ted Cruz, that they better fall in line Mm -hmm. because Trump's got everybody scared, which means Trump is scary. Mm -hmm. And then we lose sight of the real narrative, which is that tens of thousands of Americans are dying of a pandemic because of the
0: incompetence of the administration. Wow. Um, Yeah. So then let me ask that. No, 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 no. (laughs) This is totally interesting. And I, I completely agree with your assessment. Um, what i wanted to ask uh, Now i have to remember what i wanted to ask um I'm sorry <laughs> no, no i just there, i mean the thing is is what you were saying it like got me thinking and i was like all these things are rushing through my head oh i know so okay he announced today or last night whenever that okay chicago's next so you're saying there's not going to be a military coup because there's just not enough power he doesn't have enough power to do it the country's too big but i but I, and i'm just throwing this back at you so maybe you can ease Concerns, whether it's from me or from some of your uh, followers who are melting down.
1: Actually, can I can I correct? Can I can I just make a correction in that sentence? Sure. Um, So there won't be a successful military coup, but there will be mayhem and violence.
0: Okay. There you go. And so that's what I think is, I think that maybe there might be enough violence because when when you know when we're sitting here in our homes watching federal troops uh, beating women, beating people who are Standing there innocently on the street, that guy who was holding up a uh, like a boombox and got shot in the head. Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of that. It was on yeah. MSNBC, mm-hmm. and there was blood all over the sidewalk. Right. His mother said that you know they had to put a tube inside of his head that was draining out the blood. He had reconstructive facial surgery. So, regardless of the fact that this is not necessarily going to happen in in the sweeping successful way that he's uh, he's saying. Um, what he will be able to accomplish is, like you were saying, violence. He's going to be violent. He's going to use violence against us. And um, th- since this is something we're not used to seeing, we're not used to seeing presidents use power this way to hurt people, especially you know, people who are peacefully and legally lawfully protesting. Um, it does feel like, I mean, it resembles Russia, you know, it resembles, mm-hmm. um, I used to live in Russia. So, I mean, I never necess- I never saw that. There was only the threat of if you get mm-hmm. out of line, you're going to, you know, they were already past the point of having to actually do anything because everybody was already falling in line and they were not protesting. So, um, at least during the time that I was there. So, um, I just basically saw the threat of it. But I think that, I think people, I th- you know, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also understand the fear because I I'm I, I, I don't think we should panic, but I do understand the fear of it because you're watching. Okay, no, so now I don't
1: want now I don't want to minimize the danger.
0: Right. What I want to do is tell you what's Okay,
1: so you made you asked a question. You said it, but is the violence going to be enough? Uh-huh. And now stop right there and okay. say enough for what? So what will this violence Accomplish yeah. now—that's an, an important question. So, will it cause the election to be canceled? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay, it can't, and we could talk about that. It, will it cause the election to be canceled? No. Will it cause everybody to stay home from the polls because they're scared? No. We have both no. states have people have absentee voting mm-hmm. and early voting. No, it won't. Mm-hmm. Will it cause us all to stop talking about the the um, virus? Well, yeah, but here's the main thing it's going to accomplish. So you said. You ask, is it enough? Now, and I don't mean to downplay this danger. I'm not Pollyanna. Right. Okay. This is very scary. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, I said. What they're doing yeah. is they're, they're arresting people without probable cause, which right. is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. I get what they're doing. Yeah. I get what they're doing. So the question is, what's the end game? Right. What's yes. the end game? Just to get them to stop
0: talking the, about COVID? The, I'm sorry? Is it to get them to stop talking about the coronavirus?
1: No, it's to keep him relevant as a, as a presidential strong
0: candidate. Strong man, and a
1: strong man. Right. Okay, okay so Trump has to keep – so Trump is about to really slip in the polls, and he can't. Mm-hmm. So, he, it, so if this succeeds – okay, so let, let's put another. We are the caravans now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so what is this going to succeed in doing? It's going to succeed in – Panic. I mean, it's really dangerous. But it's, if it succeeds, it's going to keep him relevant. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep his control over the Republican Party, because there is some talk about we're going to dump him.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: So okay. what does what does Trump want? Trump wants to keep his power over the Republican Party. Yes. Does he want to win the election? Sure. Will he? No. <laughs> but if he can. If he can stay relevant, right. that's what he wants to do, so when you said i'm not all I'm saying is that a successful military coup, a successful mm-hmm. military coup, is not possible between now and um and November okay, and part of the okay, it's just not I don't believe it it's, mm-hmm. a, it's such a far-fetched possibility. I mean, he could hit a nuclear button before that would happen
0: right yeah, okay I know that's you. more likely oh, okay
1: so it's, Right. So it's not likely. That's really not likely mm-hmm. for a successful military coup. But Trump is desperate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And by launching a war against democratic cities, he's going he's to keep his base stoked. Mm-hmm. He's going to create a conflict. And a lot of people believe that, that um, Portland – has been a war zone because mm-hmm. of because of the Democratic, you know, Antifa, whatever they believe. Mm-hmm. So he's got to keep this narrative alive. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep his own relevance, in order to keep his hold on the Republican Party, in order to keep – he needs to keep – if he doesn't have an iron grip on what we can call his base, then Ted Cruz can turn on him.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah. Well, here, I, I found what, something you wrote. You said – I suggest he similarly thinks that the Oregon mayhem will improve his election chances. These thugs acting on Trump's behalf are, in the words of Josh Marshall, uh, the perfect vehicle vehicle to seek out confrontations which are consistent with President Trump's campaign agenda. So you say it's about his campaign agenda. Then you say there are fears that Trump plans to expand this operation to other cities. I expect we will see chaos and mayhem, but don't worry about a military coup. So and then a military. Put, good. Right. Right. That's, and I'm distinguishing
1: violence and mayhem and disorder and horror mm-hmm. from the fact that he's going to install himself as dictator. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a fine line yeah, here, yeah. but it's an important line, because if people start thinking he can make himself dictator, then really we're going to have such a how are people going to go out and work the polls if that's what they think? Yeah. We well, need people I, yeah. to. Work the election, and if people think it's all over, Mm -hmm. and he's going to install himself as a dictionary. I'm on the Voter Protection Committee in Georgia, and the biggest fear of the people on the Voter Protection Committee is that the Democratic voters are going to give up, Mm -hmm. and they're going to think it's all over, and there's no hope.
0: I I actually don't think that's going to happen, and I say that because ever since Trump— was installed, which I'm going to say installed. Um, I have seen, you know, every election, Democrats have been successful. And and, and it's not just that it's been Democrats winning, it's been a really diverse group and crowd of Democrats. So I think that's speaking, um, you know, a lot louder than Trump. what was I going to ask? And I or... agree. I, yeah. Yeah,
1: no, I, I think I diverted you off track because I interrupted when I said, I, I don't want to minimize the danger and I don't want to minimize that there's going to be violence. And right. I don't want to minimize the, um, how scary it is. And when I say that it won't be a military coup, I'm saying this is part of his election mm-hmm. strategy. And I said something this morning that I said it as fact, and of course it's not because I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. But when he, di- when he did the... Um, school thing and then it comes out that well they thought that was going to appeal to the suburban women Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i believe that when he finds out that this isn't helping his poll numbers then he's going to go on to something else huh so uh, something else will probably be scarier (laughs) i don't know what it'll be
0: it'll be scarier now are you saying he's going to go on to something else other than the school opening or uh the what what he's doing with deploying troops well if the if the
1: If the deploying troops causes his, causes his um, numbers to crater even more. Right. Then I think he's going to come up with something else. Mm. And think how quickly we forgot about Russian bounty. Think how quickly we forgot about like the school.
0: Yeah.
1: He can, he can come up with an emergency Mm -hmm. that will have us all totally forgetting this pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not saying he will. Right. I'm saying that if if his, because I, Josh Marshall, that was the journalist. Yes. If, um, if this craters his numbers even more Mm -hmm. then I think he's going to go on to something else, if this allows him to hold on or even improves his numbers by bringing in because there are these there are these people who might actually be so scared of liberal cities Mm -hmm. like Chicago that they might swing back over to vote for him. Mm -hmm. So if this, if this works to improve his numbers, he's going to accelerate it. Right. Jeez. Oh
2: if my it doesn't,
1: God. he'll – so, so I think the way I phrased it was maybe a little too positive. I said, well, as soon as he finds out it doesn't help, his right. poll numbers, it, um, it's going to drop. I pretty much don't think this is a smart election strategy. Right. Um, it's hard for me to imagine this is going to help his poll numbers. My expectation is that this is a stupid, desperate thing. and um, But also cynically, this is where I'll be a cynic, I don't think Mitch McConnell is going to rein him in yeah. until it looks like he's endangering um, vulnerable Republicans.
0: And so, well, then so, this brings me to the fact that, you know, you you brought up that article, I think it was written by Gabriel Sherman on July 2nd, that by Labor Day, if his poll numbers haven't gotten better that the, uh, some of the GOPs going to start moving away from him. Um, you know, interestingly, both Mitch McConnell and Frank Luntz had, uh, I think it it came out after the decision, um, the SCOTUS decisions that they, you know, kind of leaned with the Democrats that, um, uh, was oh I, just, I I have so many things swirling through my head today. I, I apologize for just I I I have all these questions in my mind. But I, oh I know so Frank Luntz and Mitch McConnell were both suggesting to Republicans to not dis like to not uh, disown Trump and to not say shit you know talk shit about him, but to kind of like back away a little bit. And this was. I don't know, last week, which feels like three years ago. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's kind of interesting that that process has maybe started to happen where, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Ted Cruz is still trolling on Twitter like a jerk. (laughs) But, um, you know, interesting that they're suggesting some of these Republicans might be, um, you know, just carefully kind of staying back. Where they're not denouncing him or saying, you know, mm-hmm. I, I stand against Trump right that's typically the way that works when you when you realize that the
1: incumbent is going down in flame
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or or you you recognize that your party. Is going that the presidential nominee for your party is going down in flames? Typically, the pitch becomes okay, we're going to have a Democratic president. Now you better elect me to have a check on the de- Democrats because oh, they're, they're okay, going to go right. wild.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay. So that's, yeah. so
1: that's how it works. And that's also going to tick off Trump. But if the poll numbers is showing tanking, um, it's not going to alienate the base.
0: So then let me ask you this, because you had also posted, you know, and you said it's working. You said you met a, a, a person that said that, you know, I want to vote for Trump because of what's happening and, and, and with the protesters. And I think I'm trying to remember a, a portion of your uh, thread was talking about how um, what it really means. It's basically all boiled down to racism because Trump is 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 protecting the way of life as you called it in quotes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah 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 and, and, yeah yeah yeah. and the way I of understand. life means and you broke it down and and it all just comes down to white society. It just comes mm-hmm. down to mm-hmm. white supremacy. And so he's using these protests to make people feel like He's protecting white people in the suburbs because he said Biden wants to get rid of the suburbs. And, mm-hmm. you know, the connotation is that when you use the term suburb, you think of white people. And so it's scaring white people into voting for him and thinking, oh, my God, the Democrats are going to, you know, just open borders and and, you know, allowing all peoples of all color to do whatever the hell they want. And they're, they're you know, it's like this, this fear-mongering bullshit that they're trying to, especially Trump is trying to feed us right now. But the thing that scares me about what you said is, okay, there was somebody who quote tweeted you and said, yes, this is my relative, feels like, you know, she was go- he or she was going to vote... For Biden, but now they're back to Trump because of this whole, uh, you know, Trump's going to protect us from, a, you know, to, to preserve our way of life, and so how, like, as far as how effective, y- you don't necessarily think it's going to be so effective, right? I mean, as far as well, it depends the, on what you mean. By, it depends on what you mean by effective. Uh, I guess effective. This is what a lawyer does, right? Well, it depends on what you mean by is. <laughs> right. What
1: do you mean by effective? So effective could mean—is it going to help him win the election? Yes, I mean, that's what I mean. Effective means okay. So no. So okay. So let's define effective and who it's going to work with. Okay. For one thing, it's not working with the white suburbs, and I, I very briefly I'll tell you why. He's stuck in the nineteen fifties, sixties, and seventies idea of suburbs. Yes. So in, in the old days, the suburbs happened. in the the 50s, the suburbs happened because people wanted to get away from the black people who were in the city. Mm -hmm. So they moved out to the suburbs. Um, And that's why we called it white flight. I'm older than you. So I remember it. Um, It was called white flight. Um, And now the suburbs are something else. Yeah. And what the suburbs are, say in San Francisco um, or someplace else, the suburbs are people who can't afford to live in the city. So they have to move out. Yeah. And, they're not racist in the suburbs. They're not. This is, he's got an old-fashioned idea of it. Mm. So it doesn't actually work with the suburbs. The suburbs are like, what the heck are you talking about?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it, he's got this 50s white flight idea mm-hmm. of the suburbs. But what it works with are the Fox viewers
2: mm-hmm.
1: who get their news from Fox and who suddenly say, oh, my God, Like I have to vote for Trump. Because look at these, you know, these scary people in the cities. And Black Lives Matter is really scary to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And mean, it's hard to appreciate how scary that is to people who cannot imagine um, who think that what they think is that they don't think it's equality. They think the blacks want to displace them. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very scary to a certain segment of people. So when you say, will it be effective? What it might do for him, mm-hmm. which is I believe his goal, is to keep – like I said, to keep the base and expand the base. So if he – let's say he's down nine points right now in the polls.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. If he's down six points in the polls, that's a whole lot different because right. there's, say, a two- or three-point margin of error. Yeah. And he's got, a, he's got an advantage in the electoral college. Yes. So if he can just take that nine points and expand it by two points mm-hmm. – then he's made himself a lot more relevant hmm. in the election.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> so could this ploy in the cities
2: mm-hmm.
1: work by in- so I'm actually I don't like to harp too much on the polls because polls are not
2: votes. Right.
1: But I do I've watched polls since my I did my first I worked on my first election in 1980 in college for Carter. Mm-hmm. And I understand exactly what polls can tell us and what they can't. And I do watch the polls and so does he and so does everybody else. Yeah. And if he's if this violence in the cities moves him from down nine points to down seven points, he's gonna continue mm-hmm. and he's gonna oh,
2: accelerate it.
1: God, yeah. Not that this is gonna give him a win through a military coup, mm-hmm. but that it's gonna increase his numbers enough to keep him relevant. Mm.
0: Wow, that, you know, uh, I mean, to me that's scary because I hope that he's not able to do that. I, I do, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful in what you said because you're right. I mean, my mom lives in the suburbs and her neighborhood is just so diverse. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's black people, there's Asian people, there's Muslim people, she's a white person. There's there's so many different people and, and it's, it's nice because, you know, she often comments on the fact because she's always like living in a diverse neighborhood and she talks about how, you know, during the the spring days when it's cool enough to have the windows open she likes to hear the kids out on the streets and you know just playing and everything and she looks out the window and you know she sees the different cultures just having the kids from different cultures having fun together and all that. And I think that really drives home your point to the suburbs are not what they, what Trump is. Right. And he's not talking to the suburbs. He's talking to the 70, 60, 70 year old Fox viewers who
1: hear suburbs and have a, and think, Oh my God, like the blacks are taking over. So he's not even, I don't I mean I think the school thing he did think was going to work with the suburbs. Yeah. Which which is just so which is just so deranged. It it's is. hard to imagine that. But and he might think that this is going to work with the suburbs. But I'm my concern isn't that it's going to work with the suburbs. My concern is that so so when you say is it going to be effective? It depends on what happens at the polls. Yeah. If it takes them up it's going to accelerate.
2: Interesting. Okay.
1: If it takes him down, he's going to come up with something else. Yeah. And the next thing he's going to come it's up worse. with is going to be just as scary yeah. and just as dangerous.
0: Yay! Um, okay, so the last <laughs> <laughs> the last question I want to ask, and this is a bit of a, like I'm asking you to make a prediction, and I know that y- you can't, but just based on, okay, he's been the president since January 2017. We have watched everything that he's done, and now we're in this, like, you know we're in the last few months of this, and we do understand that he is worried and that he's panicking, and so what what do you think is going to happen to I me? Mean, obviously you can't make an absolute prediction, but just in a general sense, where do you think things are gonna go, and then what do you think is gonna happen on election day? Because a lot of people are concerned, I mean, obviously they're not gonna stop us from, they can't cancel the election, but. Bill Barr and Donald Trump are going to do everything they can to mess it up and whether it's closing down voting locations based on the code, you know, that's when I think they might use COVID um, to say, oh, well, we need to close down, which, which Sarah Wood was on the show uh, several weeks ago and pointed out, actually, what you want to do is have more... Uh, places open when COVID is spreading because you don't want to put everybody all in one place but of course they're not going to do that what they would I think what they might do and I'm asking you too if you think this is you know just saying all right well we're closing down these places because it's so dangerous and just you know making forcing people to stand 8 9 10 11 12 hours in line and they're going to do everything they can so like what do you anticipate is going to come from the Trump camp moving forward until election day
1: well first I have to tell you bar cannot close down polling places mm-hmm. so okay. elections are are monitored locally right and they're and so I have a thing on my I have a to do list um, as long as people are listening um, the thing about elections is that we control them um, it's mostly volunteers in the past it's been mostly retired volunteers and there are a lot of movements out there to try to get like there's some um, law student organization trying to get college students to volunteer um, there's remote opportunities um, the The first solution is everybody needs to find a way to help. And I'm doing my part, not as much as I probably should be, but I am doing work in Georgia um, on voter protection. Everybody needs to do some work. Mm -hmm. BAR cannot shut down. They cannot do it. Um, It's all controlled locally locally and at the at the highest level by the state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do what do I think is going to happen? Um I think it's pretty obvious that Trump is laying the groundwork to deny the legitimacy of the election. Mm-hmm. Um it seems to me the appropriate response is to laugh. Um one of the one of the um, ways that we inoculate the population against these kinds of disinformation campaigns mm-hmm. is we prepare people for them. Mm-hmm. So I think telling everybody Trump is going to try to delegitimize it um, as long as it doesn't prevent people from voting, mm-hmm. um, if what it does instead is say we need every vote to make right. sure this is a yes. landslide.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. In terms of like, you know, there's some talk that he's not going to make it, um, that his health is giving out. Um, I actually have a doctor friend. I'm not sure she won't name her, but I have a doctor friend who watches him closely and thinks he's had like a left side stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's possible that he's not going to make it. That um, yeah. it, it seems to me that with his last breath, he's going to be on that ticket. He's not yes, going to willingly agree. step away. I agree. Um, now, McConnell would have the power to get rid of him if McConnell wanted to use it, but he's not going to do it right. because that would split the party. Yes. So short of actual death or a coma or something, I have a hard time seeing him either stepping down or being forced out. Uh Um, and I am seeing, I do think that the chaos and the mayhem and the, it's going to get worse.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: one of the things, tie it back to Mary, Mary's book. She says that, um, you know, he's not, I mean, I can't remember a a good quote from, from the book now, but she definitely makes the point that he's dangerous and Mm -hmm. he's chaotic and he's going to start, you know, doing desperate things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, you know, I'll give some some advice that might like surprise you. But once in a while, step away from from the chaos. Mm-hmm. Read a murder mystery or something <laughs> that's really relaxing. You know, like like read a, no- a fun novel. It's like the the world's going to keep spinning, and the election is going to arrive, whether mm-hmm. or not we're all ha- having, you know, breakdowns. And um, <laughs> one one of the best things people can do is volunteer mm-hmm. because it takes you out of the da- it takes you out of the daily news cycle and yes. you feel like you're pushing back yeah. in a constructive way right. uh, yeah. because what's happening is crazy making right it's crazy making and it's going to make us all crazy and so I think that um, you know people need to take breaks mm-hmm. like if you start to really if you find yourself genuinely believing that the United States military is going to go to polling places and shut them down on election day, then I'd say you need a break from
0: social media. Yeah. Well then, then there's us junkies who just can't like, I mean, as much as I, uh, I took a week off and you know, of course I, I just, just meant I didn't write and I didn't uh, podcast, but I was still looking at Twitter and I was still paying attention. I had a little bit of break visiting my parents, but um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And one of the things that I like to do is, um, I just like to, I I was encouraging my father to, to look into meditation. They have these like guided meditations on Twitter where you just like put on some headphones and they take you through a forest and you see leaves and it's like, you're in this whole environment that's totally different and relaxing, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes of your day. Just, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I do right. that. And then go, 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 contact your local, your state
1: democratic office. Find out what you have in terms of voter protection and find out what you can do. Start organizing. So what's going to happen? Craziness is going to happen. So for example, um, they're going to shut down a polling place and move everybody 10 miles away. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen somewhere. Mm -hmm. So every state needs to be organized so that you've got a caravan of cars and you say, okay, we're going to drive everybody to the other polling place. Right. Right. Roll down all your windows because we've got dangerous virus. Um, But There is, we can anticipate the kinds of voter suppression we're going to see, Mm -hmm. and we can organize. And so, um, you know, before the election was really two years ago, I I went down to the border as a volunteer lawyer. I threw races, and I gave um, legal assistance to asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was doing some good. For the whole week, I was completely focused... Each time I went for a week, I was completely focused on helping these asylum seekers. And for a whole week... I was out of the craziness, and not for you. This is your job. You, you do, you do podcasts. But yeah. the the best thing that I did during that time was do this volunteer work mm-hmm. because I knew I was pushing back in a tangible way. Right. Because it is dangerous. What they did at the border was beyond belief in yeah. terms of human rights violations. But yeah. I I went down and I did my part and. If enough people do that, then mm-hmm. there's enough pushback. But also it, it saved my sanity mm-hmm. a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because for that week, I got to take a break from the, cra- from, yeah. from the crazy news cycle. Yes. So I think, especially going forward, do some meditation, but then really find out every state, start with your Democratic Party, find out what's going on. If you go to your local Democratic office and you find out it's totally disorganized, Put it. Put together your organizational skills, right. you know, organize them. Like, be a, be a community organizer. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah <laughs> Palin can critique
0: you. <laughs> I'm sorry? So Sarah, Palin, can, can, Sarah Palin, you know, how she used to always go after Obama for being a community organizer. Remember that?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, be one. I know. B1 I'm, because, just, you know, like, I'm typically, teasing. Typically, Democratic offices are not really well organized. Yeah. So... Anybody listening to this if you've got some organizational skills go take charge go say okay we need to right. we need to do a pizza we need to do a pizza to people in lines thing
0: Right If you've got yes. if
1: you live in a state where there are lines we need to figure out how to deploy water and pizza If you've got some bands go put on a show like Yeah you know pr- prepare for it um, I think is the uh, because you know what's my prediction my prediction is that and this does not take a crystal ball we will have chaos Mhm
0: Yes, we will, and so yeah, you're right. Wasn't so that smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then if, if we're all ready for it, it's like like you were saying, if we anticipate the chaos and we anticipate that the, it's it's not going to come as a big shock and it's not going to be so upsetting. I mean, it, it's upsetting in the general sense, but yeah, if, if you anticipate the fact that this is going to happen, then you can prepare for it. And I agree with you. It's like yeah, whether it's meditation, reading a book, watching a movie, doing exercise, whatever it is you need to do, you know, do do what you need to do selfishly, but then go do something self where you're helping everybody, and um, and where your talents are being used, yeah, to hopefully win this election, because it is, it is the most important of election of our lifetimes, and although we say it with every election, this one's more true than ever, and I imagine, you know, it's going to just keep going that way, so... Um, But I always enjoy talking to you, and and I I always also enjoy when, you know, like if you push back against something I said, specifically, interesting to me what you were saying about the idea that um, the blackmail, uh, you know, and and how we shouldn't assume that they would be pro-democracy if it wasn't for the blackmail. So I totally agree with that. And it's like you have such a a, a way of, of putting things, and I love your Twitter thread, so Obviously, I love having you you on the show, and and you have such interesting insight. Definitely, right before the election, maybe we can talk again. When we'll talk about the chaos. Yes. And you'll be be able to say, Terry,
1: you you were so smart to predict
0: this. Uh, Yes, we probably will go over this and say, you were right.
1: I'm joking, because that
0: did not take any kind of... um, (laughs) You know, no no crystal ball. No, but you're right, because I think I think people, though, do have a tendency to, especially in in these crazy times, to kind of focus on what's in front of us at the moment, because, you know, again, like I said, you know, whatever happened last week seems like three years ago. So we're kind of immersed in the now and we're paying attention to the now. So I think it's good to kind of just recognize that, hey, let's anticipate uh, certain behavior so that we can be prepared for it. And I, I think that's sound advice. Do you have a thread on that? What people can do? That would be a good thread. Um, I, have a to- I
1: have a to-do list. Okay. I saw your to do. Um, yes,
0: I saw your to-do I, list, but I haven't also, it. I have
1: a to-do list. I also have a, a frequently asked questions. Okay. And the reason I have that is because I keep getting the same doomsday questions over and right. over again. Like, can Trump can Trump cancel the election? And, you know... I get the same questions, although I haven't updated it now for the for the you know military coup martial mm-hmm. law thing
2: mm-hmm. but
1: um but in there, I talk a lot about what if rabbit holes yes and um so I think that you know you can you can direct people there, um, okay. but in, in terms of the other, I probably have a thread somewhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it might be a great time to do a new one, and I think um, because you are influential, and everybody who follows you really hangs on your every word for good reason. And maybe we just need a new reminder. You know, hey, let's anticipate this and let's get ahead of it instead of allowing it to make us freak out and then just become frozen. You know what? That fear. might
1: be the raincoats. When I say put raincoats on the population, uh-huh. that might be the one.
0: Okay. So right. how do
1: you, so we're going to have a fire hose at us. <laughs> yes. So the, so you can't turn off the fire hose, but you right. can put on your
0: raincoat. There you go. There you go. That's perfect. Uh, all right. Well, where, uh, tell everybody where to find you. I am on
1: Twitter. My name, Terry underscore Cainfield. I have a blog and um, and I write books.
0: Awesome. Well, then so I, I-,
1: I also have an author website, but you know um, but mostly people right now are interested in my blog.
0: Okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'll put both of your uh, Twitter handle as well as your blog uh, URL into the. Uh, text of the Patreon description of the show and everybody can find you there if they're not already following you, which I highly recommend that everyone should be following you. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Well, you take care and I will definitely be in touch uh, before the election. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, she's definitely good for kind of bringing you back down to earth. I I can get caught up in that what if rabbit hole, (laughs) if you haven't noticed. But I also uh, always kind of like to Um, recognize the fact that I am in, you know, in a conspiracy theory, you know, like the whole thing with Melania Trump, perhaps being a victim of uh, human sex trafficking. It's not something that I said absolute. It was like, what if, what if, what if this happened? What if that happened? So it is good to have somebody who's a lawyer and who's, um, has, I think, more of a calmer disposition than I do to kind of bring me at least, I can't speak for you, but to bring me back down to earth. And, um, you know, as she said, we can expect chaos, we can expect violence, we can expect mayhem, it's not gonna be pretty, it's gonna be fucking awful and scary, but uh, we are not without, you know, um, our own tools to try to protect this election. So we do, you know, I think one of the things that I didn't cover that she tweeted about was um, that we're still at a point where things can be turned around. You know, there are autocracies and, and fascist states where it's beyond. Just like with Russia, you know, as I mentioned when I was talking to her, that when I was living there in 1981, there was, there was not going to be any protests because that, they were beyond that point. You know, there was no question. If you were going to protest, you were going to jail and maybe a jail in Siberia and it would have been ugly and bloody and awful. So we're at a place right now where things can still be turned around. We are not at, like, you know, not that I think that America will ever turn into a, so- I would certainly fucking hope not that it would become a Soviet country. But, um, but just the idea that if you are, because right now in Russia, if you go against Putin, you know, you go missing. Or you have um, acid thrown on your face or something awful. Or thrown out of a window. So... I think it's important to uh, remember that that we we still can turn things around, and all we have to do is just stay strong. We just really have to stay strong and put on our raincoats. All right. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, don't forget you can find me on author. Kim, uh, I'm sorry on Twitter, author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y, and then you can also find my books on Amazon under Kimberly Johnson, Kimberly A Johnson. I've got Peyton's Choice. And American Woman, Peyton's Choice, of course, is about uh, a teen who decides to have an abortion. And I've done The Virgin Diaries and a whole bunch of other books. Also, just want to remind you, my mother's book, The Melt, is uh, out and available. Her, I, I think it's going to be another week or two before she has it available um, in paperback. But it's available on Kindle right now. And it's a book about a global pandemic. But basically, it's about the... Um, as anybody who listened to last Monday's podcast knows it's about life after the apocalypse and restarting and it's a great book so I highly recommend it hopefully you'll get it on Amazon her name is Ann Werner and it's called the melt a-n-n-w-e-r-n-e-r and that's it we will see you on Wednesday I have a cool guest scheduled so looking forward to uh to that day and everybody just stay safe (laughs) bye-bye